Welcome to this installment of Witness to Yesterday, the podcast of the Champlain Society. My name is Greg Marshallton, and today we're going to talk to Bruce Maxwell about his book on the 1935 federal election during the depths of the Great Depression. Bruce is an independent historian and educator currently working at Selwyn House School in Montreal. For the past 20 years, he has been researching and writing the book we are going to talk about today. It's entitled, Failed Promise, Five Reasons Why R.B. Bennett Lost the 1935 Canadian Federal Election. This book was published by Amazon Books in 2022. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Most of the authors we've interviewed in this podcast have either been professional historians working in universities, archives, or museums, or full-time authors. I think you're our first part-time historian and author. So tell us how you had the fortitude to spend two decades working in the evenings and on weekends on the book. How'd you do it? Yeah, it was uh, quite the process. Um, the original concept for the work began in the early 2000s as a graduate student at York University and walking, working with uh, Dr. Horn. And um, I remember we spoke about the, the, the topic that I, I write about, and uh, there, there was definitely a need for more work to be done uh, on this topic. And I still think that there's still lots of gaps that exist. Uh, there's a personal side to it too. Uh, my father was born in 1935, so that obviously has a connection to the to the election. And my mom, uh, not lying, um, you know, bless her heart, she kept reminding me over many years, you know, Bruce, you need to finish this work. You you got to keep going on this. Uh, maybe it can add uh, to some Canadian history gaps and, and that sort of thing. And 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 um, you know, she was a good uh, motivation. And then also, uh, and yes, I, I've been busy with obviously teaching teaching, coaching, full-time, that sort of thing. But uh, in 2015, 2016, I was the Hinton Chair for History and Politics at St. Michael's University School in Victoria, BC. And I found that was great motivation for for using that year for research and writing. And, and I, it kind of spurred me on to, to motivate me to, to keep going and finish this work. Well, I like to think of the 1935 election as the Great Depression election. And no one really knew how much worse things were going to get during the federal election in 1930. They weren't even sure if it was really a kind of a permanent depression in a sense. And by the time of the 1940 federal election, the war had largely taken care of unemployment. So 1935 was the Great Depression election. So can you tell us the reasons why you think it was such a critical election from a historical perspective? Sure. Yeah, for me, it's it's enormous. Um, in the context of the Statute of Westminster of 1931, in which Canada can now pass our own laws, we don't have to get permission from England anymore, we, we are being shaped as a, as a young nation, uh, without a doubt, uh, during this time period. And um, I, I also think that the election uh, taught future political leaders um, incredible 
things that they should do for the future. Like, for example, I, I look at John Maynard Keynes, famous economist who, who was always reminding people in the 30s for governments that they should pump money into the economy during tough economic times. And of course, Bennett uh, did not. Um, you know, he, he basically would always use the line, I'm not going to spend any money that I don't have. And of course, you know, politicians today have learned from from Keynes that debt, um, you know, should not matter that much. I mean, some people may have uh, issues with that for sure. Um, but in terms of government taking action, uh, incredible lessons were learned for political leaders in the future, which we were even seeing today. Like obviously with with Harper with the Great Recession, pumping money into the economy. Trudeau with um, uh, with with uh, with CERB and and that during the great well the pandemic that we're still in, um, and then also like the majority to majority flip flops. It's only happened um, you know what is it seven times in Canada's history, so that's a rarity uh, with regards to the thirty five election, and third political parties play such a huge part in this election that uh, it definitely shapes Canada uh, for the future with regards to regionalism. Well, the two main characters in the election were the leaders of the two main parties, Richard Bedford Bennett for the Conservatives and William Lyon Mackenzie King for the Liberals. Uh, I was wondering if you could describe their personalities, in particular their differences and perhaps some of their similarities. I think that uh, King was a more patient um, uh, he was he was an insecure, lonely man. There's no question about that. But he was also resilient. I think the fact that he he uh, you know he leads Canada through most of the 20s, and then loses the 1930 election, obviously to Bennett. But then he'll come back in 35 and you know see Canada um, you know through World War II, uh, obviously the rest of the of the Great Depression as well. Uh, incredible fortitude. Uh, there's no question about that. I think uh, I think Bennett was a, a better speaker. I think that's one thing we learned, especially through the radio broadcasts of of 1935 as they're getting close to the election. Uh, King could be a bit nasally, unfortunately, when, when he spoke, and that came across in some of the, the broadcasts. Um, I, I know that um, I, I think Bennett was 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 stubborn, um, and you know he never forgave H.H. Uh, Stevens uh, for the 1935 election. In fact, he blamed him right to the end, and he was also angry that, of course, King got all the credit for for helping Canada to to get better in the latter years of the 30s. As we, you know, obviously World War II will change things as well, but. But, um, you know, Bennett never liked the fact that King got all this credit for a lot of the things that he initiated. And, uh, you know, he was a proud man for sure. They were similar, I would say, in the sense that uh, both men never married. Uh, they were, they were uh, loyal to their their political careers. Uh, in my in my work, there's a table where, and I, I look at this a lot. It, it's actually um, there's a there's it's it's table four, and it's a day in the life of R.B. Bennett when he was prime minister. It's it's to me a remarkable document of Canadian history because the prime minister. Uh, I mean, it's early morning, and it's like it goes right to like eleven at night, like all day with meetings, and it's obviously pre-internet and all that. But it's incredible how busy. Um, and how dedicated they were to their to their job to lead the country. It's incredible. I, I find it a remarkable document. And both dedicate hardworking, successful men as well. Like uh, obviously, King had a PhD in economics, and you know his work that he wrote for his uh, dissertation is still regarded as a as a pretty good uh, economic work. Uh, and Bennett, of course, was a millionaire, um, you know, a lawyer, uh, went to Calgary and obviously made lots of money in the real estate out there. So they were successful, hardworking men. But there are some character differences for sure. So um, can you 
tell us exactly why Bennett waited a full five years to go to an election in 1935. He was elected in 1930. It's normal to go to uh, call an election within a four-year period, but he ragged the puck as long as he could. So why did he do this? Um, there's probably a, a combination of, of reasons for that. Um, I mean, there was there was rumors that he was going to move the election up to, to early uh, January of 1935, mostly to expose H.H. Uh, Stevens and his Reconstruction Party, which, of course, was a conservative party alternative. And, and you know, he kind of wanted to potentially stick it to Stevens for for separating from him. And and of course, you know, as I mentioned, that was a that, that was a, a big problem for Bennett, of course. And it also played a big part in the in the final election of 35 too. I, I think that, you know, Bennett perhaps always thought that he could work out the problems uh, of the Great Depression, and and the reality was that um, you know he just he's not going to be able to to do it as as we see in in history as well. But I think he had this hope that would probably maybe some of his last acts uh, because I I think it's safe to say his actions uh, with regards to policies and and that he was really delayed. Like he, his big issue for me has always been that he he wouldn't spend money. Like he would often remind. Uh, Canadians that, you know, I think Canada's debt was um, uh, 11, 11 uh, billion dollars at the time, and and it was going up. Uh, I think it was what forty million dollars a year or four hundred million dollars a year, and and uh, I know that's a big difference there, but. Um, you know, he, he would keep saying I he was so concerned about the debt that um, it would make it often that he, he had a hard time um, making decisions and that his party falls apart. And it seems like everything's going wrong. Well, just give us a quick rundown on the seats that the parties had going into the election and what they came out with in the 1935 election. Sure. So in uh, the 1930 election, uh, which Bennett, of course, won, um, so the Liberals won uh, 89 seats, or 36.3%, while the Conservatives won 135 seats, or 55.1%. He needed 123 uh, for a majority, so hence the reason why Bennett won uh, a majority. And then five years later, in 1935, this flip-flop happens, where the Liberals won 173 seats. So again, he needed 123 for a majority, so that was 70.6%, which, which, uh, which is a huge number even considering the impact of the third political parties the conservatives won 39 seats or 15.9 percent uh in that 35 election so we're talking incredible transition a huge defeat now there were five main reasons for this major loss in the election uh the first was of course the great depression but was this alone sufficient to crush the bennett government uh that had been in office for five of the worst years of the Great Depression. Because sometimes I think that you don't have to look for other reasons. The Great Depression was probably enough. Anybody had been in office for five years would have been uh, defeated on the basis of, of that alone. So was it alone sufficient? For me, um, I, I don't think it's the, the, the only reason or the, the sufficient enough, I guess, is really what I want to say. Um, the economic problems were tough for sure, but I think we saw in some other countries around the world during this difficult time period that they were able to, to be a little bit more, more stable. 
Um, you know, whether we're talking about France, like after 1932, there's stability with their government. Uh, even in England, um, you know, with uh, with uh, Ramsay McDonald, who's there. And then, of course, there's a, a natural transit. He resigns natural transition within his party as well. So there's other examples of countries that, that seem to do well. I know in the U.S., uh, Hoover, of course, 32 is ousted and then FDR comes in. So that actually is a parallel with regards to, to some of the economic problems in North America. Maybe maybe this is more of a, a continental um, issue with regards to that in terms of the political transitions. But but for me, um, and, and, and one of the things I suggest in my work is that I, I do present five arguments for why he loses the election. And... Um, I think I think it's really a combination of all. That's really what I'm trying to present in my work. Um, but I, I love the idea people want to debate or talk about which one is is uh, more significant than the others, and and hopefully you know even my work will will encourage some of that because there there really is a need for a lot more research on this election without a doubt, especially considering the fact that I you know I consider it incredibly significant for the for the country but we also see the rise of totalitarian governments as well through the 20s and 30s um so you know there's other alternatives and things like that 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 can happen around the world but i don't think it's just the great depression that would make it so that bennett lost uh, i think there's a multitude of things then in what ways did the bennett uh, conservatives hurt their own prospects for re-election in other words how much of this was uh damage that they caused themselves yeah there, there's a lot of damage they did unfortunately um so little things like they didn't set up their party headquarters until uh january of 1935 which was late for for you know an impending ele election uh bennett did not run a good campaign uh, he started late, as mentioned, and he also had disagreements with J. Earl Lawson, who was his campaign manager, and his director of publicity, Frederick Edwards, he also had a lot of uh, run-ins with. Uh, Bennett was not good about listening to, to suffragette Charlotte Witten as well, who was often uh, reminding him that he needs to do more for social welfare programs. Um, Bennett's conservatives supported the League of Nations, which was flawed, where, of course, King did not. Uh, that was a smart move on King's part to, to recognize the, the, the risk of, of that uh, move. Uh, Bennett had some health issues as well. He had some, um, there's rumors he had a heart attack. Um, whether it was a full heart attack or not, like, I mean, there's variations. And of course, King lost weight before the election, so he was looking fit uh, for it, and it was noticeable, uh, some of these differences, where Bennett was obviously looking stressed. Um, and then, of course, yeah, Bennett delayed, um, you know, his new deals, which he called them. I don't know whether they're really new deals. Uh, he tried to imitate FDR, obviously, uh, with radio broadcasts, and, and, you know, Bennett wasn't that skilled under them. And, and the Liberals, of course, King ran a really good campaign with Vincent Massey as his uh, election, um, or his campaign manager, which was, which was a, a good move on his part. And uh, what about Bennett's relief camps? Uh throughout the country did this just exacerbate the situation and and create more anger towards uh, bennett yeah for sure like the relief camps were were a real failure there's there's no doubt about that and um you know the conditions were terrible and of course leads to the on to ottawa trek in in 1935 um you know and bennett was not very receptive uh to to the leaders of that that trek uh, in terms of meeting with them or trying to give them some concessions um you know just the the federal he also i mean he had 
he had other issues too, where he wanted the provinces to finance a lot of the relief camps and, and not the federal government. And of course, the, that only upset um, the, 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 the provinces more. I mean, he, he really did a lot to destroy national unity. There's no question with regards to that. But he, of course, again, he would say, I, I don't have the money to give to you. You've got to finance your own. And they're saying, they go, well, you know, you're the federal government. It's your responsibility. There's a clear disjoint between federal and provincial relations for sure that, that this time period really emphasized. Now, as you mentioned, one of the reasons for the outcome was also what the Liberals and Mackenzie King uh, did right. Uh, I was particularly intrigued by the fact that Mackenzie King refused to make promises and, in fact, would uh, go on to, as you point out, build on Bennett's policy legacy, the Bank of Canada, for example, the C CBC, the Prairie Farm Rehabilitation Administration. Can you tell us a little more about this? In the early 1930s, it was almost like King knew that uh, Bennett was in over his head. And so he didn't attend Parliament a lot and kind of, I'm sure he enjoyed watching uh, Bennett struggle uh, with the time period in um, in, in late 35. Uh, so King's in power, he creates the Canadian-American Trade Agreement, which led to better uh, economic relations with the U.S. and Canada. That's that's a big difference between Bennett and King. Bennett was very pro-England uh, and, um, and King... Um, recognizing the geographical proximity of the U.S., was more pro-U.S., and he was a good friend of FDR's. He had a really good relationship with FDR as well, so they, they really got along well. Um, yeah, so the Prairie Rehabilitation Farming Act, Bennett, of course, wanted to provide, you know, $1 million a year uh, when he created it in 35, maybe a desperate act. Of course, King uh, comes in and, and right away uh, lowers the amount to about $200,000. Uh, but then what he does is in, in 36, he creates a new policy the Reclamation Act, where $2 million a year will be donated to the farmers to, to help them recover. And then, of course, 3080 designs his own P, PRFA as well, which created better agricultural methods. So th that's an example of how King built off of uh, Bennett's work. Uh, also, he created the National Employment Con uh, Commission. Um, so that relief um, expenditures and that would, would improve employment. Um, the old age pension he updated uh, after he took control again after Bennett. And, and you know, King listened to Charlotte Witten. He was he was uh, had a very good working relationship with her. He definitely enhanced the social welfare programs um, and that sort of thing. And then, of course, there's the Bank of Canada, which is another factor. So the, the Bank of Canada in 34 was created by Bennett. Uh, and then, of course, 36, 1936, King creates the Bank of Canada Act. So, and then he, he takes it to a whole new, new level where he appoints a chairman so that there's actually a proper function and structure of the Bank of Canada that, that Bennett did not establish or, or set up. And, and, and King also was very good about working with third uh, party political leaders. He, he was he was open to that where, where Bennett was not. Um, and then of course the the CBC is the is the last one or another thing that, that King did with regards to building off Bennett's work and and so 1936 he establishes the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. It was 34 Bennett who established the uh, the Canadian Radio Broadcasting Corporation. But but King made it truly national in terms of uh, the CBC and and you know regional radio stations um bennett had a lot of problems with that like he he was allowing uh his his national news to happen with regional news where king comes in and he makes it all national the cbc will be for national news right across the country um and and, and really unites the country through that act
So the conditions of the Great Depression would produce two parties of protest, social credit and the Cooperative Commonwealth Federation, or CCF. Uh, and as you point out, and others have pointed out, it even gave some kick to the Communist Party of Canada. Uh, did these third parties influence the election outcome in a significant way or not? I think they did, uh, especially when we look at the fact that, you know, we're looking at a quarter of the, the popular vote. Um, I mean, Tim Buck and his Communist Party runs, they're, they're really just a fringe party. They're also an illegal party, so they're they're not going to last long. And, um, I, you know, I, it really doesn't deserve a lot of attention, to be honest. But H.H. Uh, H. Stevens, of course, uh, found popularity in Ontario in the Maritimes, um, you know, especially with uh, small businesses and this alternative conservatism that he was offering. Uh, the Social Credit Party, of course, led by Bible Bill, uh, William Aberhart, um, won a lot of support for grassroots provincial uh, movements. They won 45 seats in their 63 provincial, 1935 provincial election. And then John Horde Blackmore won 17 seats of the popular vote in the 35 federal election. So, um, you know, 20, it's, I think it's 26.1% of the popular vote went to third parties. And then, of course, the Social Credit, by the way, uh, Aberhart was a fascinating story too because he always said that Albertans should be paid $25 per month by the federal government during the Great Depression. Of course, Bennett said, I, I'm not giving you that. I can't do that. Uh, and that, of course, only upset um, Albertans more, um, you know, in terms of the, the, the maybe the lack of trust or, or um, maybe being a, perhaps a little bit fickle today in some of the political issues, um, it was, especially with the two main parties. But uh, And then the last one... Um, the uh, the CCF, of course, J.S. Woodsworth, um, you know, he went seven percent of the popular vote in the 1935 Canadian federal election. He, he unites urban labor groups with farm uh, with farm groups. Uh, and then he also appealed to urban intellectuals in Montreal and Toronto with the League for Social Reconstruction as well. So he had a little, uh, well, a, a, a influential section of intellects that, that were supportive of him there as well. So I, for me, they definitely play a part. Okay, now you, you say that this election would have a very long-term impact on Canadian history. Can you explain to us what you mean by that? And so we know what the short-term impact is, but let's look at the generational impact. Yep. So, it, 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 you know, I mentioned it earlier, but again, this whole idea of during tough economic times, you know, we've seen it with Harper and Trudeau, who both won elections uh, during their tough times, uh, the Great Recession or this pandemic that the key thing is to pump money into the economy during these difficult times. Canadians like to see political leaders making an effort to help Canadians to, to survive and, and to get out of these, these challenges. Maybe Canadians also like stability uh, through that uh, during those tough economic times, maybe, or, or other tough times. Maybe maybe there's a, a nature in Canada where we, we look for our leaders to, to, to have that fortitude to, to, to get through, to kind of grind through it. Well, other other issues too, there's, there's, there's quite a few, but you've got the rise of third political parties, of course, demonstrated regionalism and that there's other alternatives that could exist beyond the liberals and conservatives in Canada. Um, you know, the fact that, that Canada's population in 1935 was approximately 11 million. 
by 46 after World War II, 12.6 million. So what that means is over the next 75 years, Canada's population will, will, will become three times larger than what it was. So Canada's going to be shaped, this nation's going to be shaped a lot by what actually happened uh, based on this election. That's why for me, it's such an important one. And then of course, we learned a lot about elections. Party, political parties need to keep everybody together, a united front before elections. The marketing of political parties really takes off uh, in this election, or it's in many ways, perhaps the first time. The CCF did the Regina Manifesto of 30 in 1933. Social Credit did an 18 point uh, support uh, note uh, that they released to the public. The, the Liberals under King even released a document with their points of how they're going to change Canada if they win the 1935 election. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot in terms of lessons learned. Uh, the majority to majority uh, governments are rare. That's why this election also is, is unique in that sense alone, that it doesn't always happen in Canada. Um, you know, there's, um, I, I just think that as Canada as a young nation is really going to emerge after World War II and after this election and become a new country. And, and I believe this election actually shapes that. Right. Uh, to say nothing of the fact that it takes the Conservatives well over two decades to ever come back to power again. <laughs> it takes until 1957 under a very different leader and a different name, the Progressive Conservatives, of course. But Bruce, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. guest today was Bruce Maxwell. He is the author of Failed Promise, Five Reasons Why R.B. Bennett Lost the 1935 Canadian Federal Election. His book was published by Amazon Books in 2022. You've been listening to Witness to Yesterday. Please visit our website at www.champlainsociety.ca. The best way you can support this podcast is by becoming a subscribing member of the Champlain Society. If you like what you've heard, let your friends know by forwarding this podcast through the social media of your choice. This podcast is made possible by the members of the Champlain Society. We also want to thank the L.R. Wilson Institute of History at McMaster University, as well as a consortium of Canadian scholarly book publishers that includes the University of Toronto Press, UBC Press, McGill-Queens University Press, the University of Regina Press, and the University of Ottawa Press. This particular podcast in Canadian political history was sponsored by Don Bourgeois and Susan Campbell of Kitchener, Ontario. They have helped fund these podcasts to honor their parents, Jean-Marie and Mary Bourgeois, and Aloysius and Regina Campbell, parents who instilled in their children a passion for Canada's political history. My name is Greg Marshallton. This interview was recorded on March 8, 2022. It was produced by Jessica Schmidt.